Hey everyone, you're listening to InfoQuench with Jeff and Amy. We're chatting about how to get the most out of life and covering a ton of interesting topics. So there's sure to be something for just about everyone. Let's get to it. Hey everybody and welcome to InfoQuench. I'm your host Jeff. And I'm Amy. And first, right off the bat, we would just like to say thank you to everybody who picked up the podcast after our little hiatus and, uh, you know, gave us some listens. It really means a lot to us. We, we've said this before that we do this just for fun, just, you know, because we're a husband-wife team. It's just our outlet, you know, and so when other people really enjoy the podcast, it's such a bonus. Absolutely. It's our creative outlet and... Uh... We're just thankful that people picked up the listening. We're seeing the downloads, and uh, it's awesome. Yeah, we caught the bug again, and we're, like, really enjoying getting back to everything. So what's this? I don't even know what this podcast is about, as usual. Like, you know. That's that's an excellent question, (laughs) Why am I even here, honey? (laughs) (laughs) This podcast is going to be... uh, a little bit about two things. One two is things. the uh, well, the Japanese concept of ikigai. Ikigai. Ikigai, and then how that relates to the ten things that the world's longest living people do. Oh, isn't there like a documentary sort of uh, series special on Netflix about that? Well, I think there's been a few around blue zones and the idea of having a a high percentage of the population that live over the age of 100. So I think it's very popular. I know I personally am completely sucked into anything that is about living longer or those tips from the 100 plus year olds where people are like, what do you do? What, you know, did you smoke? Did you drink? Yeah. Well, there's also the whole idea of health span versus uh, lifespan. So traditionally, we would talk about lifespan, just how many years you're you're around. But now there, people are talking more and more about health span and how many of those years uh, are with a very good quality of life. There's a great book called Outlive, and I, uh, you know, oh. I, I read that. It was very research heavy, a lot of science in it. But uh, you seem yeah. to you you talk to me a lot about the books that you're reading as you're reading them, but I don't remember that one. No. When did you read this? When? Like recently? Yeah, I was, it was in the fall, I think. Okay. Yeah. Did we talk about it? And I just don't remember? Probably. Did, well, we probably didn't. We didn't talk about it on a podcast, I don't think. But maybe you just tune me out when I talk about books now. No, I don't try to do that. I like to talk to you about the books you're reading. But <laughs> this Just that the content doesn't really stick. Yeah, I guess so. What are you reading now? I've again? got a few on the go on my Kindle. <laughs> All right. <laughs> So before we jump into the topic of the episode, I just want, Jeff and I had this discussion around how we refer to the years, basically, that are beyond the millennium, because it was it's really easy to say the 1980s or the 1920s, but I find that, and I don't know, listeners, if you have a similar issue, but I have a problem when I'm trying to refer to the period of 2000 to 2010, you always, I, I just say early 2000s. Early, but that could fall in the range of 2010 to 2020. You know, that. do you say 2010s? Yeah. You say the 2010s. Around the 2010s, yeah. I've you, never you said that. that. Those those words have not yeah. escaped my lips before. This it's not too point. often, though, I really have to refer to that time period. But if I did, I probably would say 2010s. And then the early 2000s would be, you know, from 2000 to 2010. Well, I mean, if we make it to like the 2040s, 2050s, then we'll be 
more apt to have to narrow down the time frame that we're talking about, right? I Remember don't how know. crazy people were about things turning to 2000? Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. It's so funny. Jeff dug up this old computer from the basement and one of the warning messages that popped up on it was around the idea of software messing up because of the you know, date being a little bit too late. Now, I don't think, I think it was pretty close to the Y2K era, but yeah, uh, yeah that was the, that was the warning, which tells you how long this computer has been with Jeff. Yeah. It's an old, uh, it's an old eMac, which I think came out in like 2006 or whatever. But uh, yeah, I don't even remember how I got it, but uh, I'm trying to get rid of it. So. Yeah, you're in full-on decluttering mode. You're, oh, we are moving stuff out of the house. The next phase of the house is the basement, so I got to get all the crap out of there that we don't want. And since we're just like not even getting into the topic yet, let's talk about what we're watching. Let's oh yeah, talk sure. About Paul Giamatti. Uh, so I was oh, listening yeah. to Paul Giamatti on Mark Maron because he was promoting his new movie, The Holdovers, and. It was just, it was a great conversation. It was Mark Maron's 1500th episode. That's how long he's been around. So, but I mean, they really laughed through the whole episode. It was just a really they, authentic you From what you got me to listen to from that interview, they definitely got along so well. I loved their discussion around books because yeah. they both talked about their obsession with buying books, but not necessarily reading them. And Hopefully feeling, it makes you understand me a little bit more. It it does. I mean, I, I'm guilty of the same thing. But the idea of how accomplished they feel when they actually finish a book. And yeah. also Paul Giamatti talked about having these bookcases in his apartment and how he had this fear of a bookcase falling over. And <laughs> apparently that was something that he'd read about but had fallen over and, and killed somebody. And then I thought about you and our friend Andre pointing out your record oh, case. Yeah. Uh, we had a little... Yeah, the 5 by 5 Ikea shelving that I have of records. And he noticed that one of the... He's uh, like, you should really tether this to the wall. And I'm like, I don't know. That's beyond my handyman skills. He's like, I'll help you. We'll just pick it up off somebody's dead body when it collapses over onto them. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. What a way to go. It's been that way for quite some time. I mean, I I feel like the angle's good, but perhaps we should tether it before Jeff gets killed by his own records because it's poetic, but I don't want it to happen, really. That's true. Yeah, it would be very poetic, and I I don't want to go like that. And if it happens to a guest, there's probably some liability issues there, but you know. Maybe it's because we don't live in a blue zone. That's how I'm going to go. <laughs> I don't know. Death by records. Death by records. So with listening to Paul Giamatti, I got a little bit on a kick of wanting to watch. Well, first off, his new movie, The Holdovers. Yeah, I, I've been at you to get to watch that since well before Christmas. And what was fascinating is he had another movie that was mentioned, uh, that Mark Maron mentioned watching once or twice a year. So I'm like, I'm, okay, if somebody's watching a movie that frequently, you got to check it out. It was an old movie, Giamatti's uh, in it, and it's called Sideways. And I'm very impressed with myself because I don't usually pick up on this artsy sort of thing, but immediately when it started, I said, oh my goodness, this must be the same director. I'm impressed with that too. As the holdovers. And it was. Uh, the director's name is Alexander Payne and the style is very unique. But I, yeah, I picked up on it. I wonder if he had any involvement with Billions because I mean, I wonder if he just does everything that Paul, you know, is involved with or tries to be, you know? I mean, Paul is an amazing actor and he... He really is. And he realizes that he's typecast quite a bit, but he just embraces that as, you know, part of who he is now. And I think gestures. it's because he's just such a likable person. 
Well, exactly. It's uh, I find when you listen to people on podcasts being interviewed, you get a well, it depends. Some people are able to put on a show. I mean, they are actors. Yeah. But when you get somebody in full on laughter, you, uh, you know, sometimes the conversations are a little more authentic and you can pick up on it. Yeah. So let's get to the topic at hand. So I first want to talk about the Ikigai. You're going to pronounce it better than me, Jeff, because you spent time living in Asia. Ikigai. Ikigai. Okay. So that Japanese concept is generally the idea of living a life worth living and knowing your reason for being. So very much similar to the concept of what the French might call your raison d'être. Raison d'être. Right? So, you know, why are you here? Why are you here? Why are you here on this earth? So I read an article by Ashley Macy. It was on Brit.co. So I just want to give credit there. And she was talking with some Tokyo researchers. The researchers actually wrote a book and it's uh, around the Japanese secret to a long and happy life. Very much a focus on this concept of Ikigai. And the researchers are Hector Garcia and Francesc Morales. And they really spent a lot of time in Okinawa, which is a Japanese island. And I think probably a lot of people are familiar with it because it is very well known as being the land of the longest living people. It's there have been many books and documentaries specifically. They do things right there. They do things right. And so people want to figure out, like, why do they have the highest life expectancy in the world on this island? And what are they doing? So this, you know, is really what the the concept of the book was. And we're going to talk about 10 things. So we'll do a little crash course on it in this episode that the researchers pulled from the time they spent living with the people on Okinawa. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Sound yeah. cool? You yeah, in? sounds you in really for cool. This? And the idea of Ikigai is, is finding a balance between your passion, mission, profession, and vocation. And it hmm. really involves this crazy, awesome Venn diagram. So I'm going to have to share that one on social media because I just love myself a good Venn diagram. Oh, yeah, me too. I can't get over how amazing they are. <laughs> it's the best thing ever. And it's one of those things you really can't describe in audio, so that's why I'll have to share it. Yep. So let's get into the 10 things. And some of these I don't think you'll find surprising. Honey, but... what's, a, what's a Venn diagram? <laughs> I love them. I love that this... I love them because you love them, but like, what, what is it? I love that this came up faster than the Wicker discussion in yeah. a previous episode. Yeah, it's like, do you even know what a Venn diagram is? <laughs> It's when things overlap. It's when things overlap. So for instance, uh, I'm trying to think, maybe if you picture, usually it's three circles, but say say you had two circles that overlap. Maybe it's a circle that says things you love overlaps with things you're good at. They're pretty heavy things. And those would be things that maybe it's an idea of what you should do for a living. Right. So if there's three circles that overlap, there's like, okay, this is the main thing in the circle, but there's a little bit of this and then that's a different color. That, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, well, I've seen there's those. there's essentially a subject in each circle. Mm-hmm. And where they overlap are the things that those two subjects have in common. Would you say the yin and yang is a Venn diagram to a degree? No, I would not say that. No, that's not even close to it. <laughs> there's a little bit of evil in the in the good and a, and a little bit of bad. And, you know, I mean, anyway. yeah, that's more about the idea of balance, but of they're very... Yeah, okay. I know. I would say that they, they complement one another, but... Definitely. Well, now that we're crystal clear on what Venn diagrams are, why don't you continue <laughs> with 
the podcast. Well, the picture will uh, is worth a thousand words, so we'll go with that. Okay. Which is about how many words I just used to describe Venn diagram. Yes. So the first thing that people do to live a long life is to stay active, we know, and don't retire. I found this really I fascinating. I can't wait to retire, though. Well, but I mean, retirement looks different for different people. There are a lot of people who I've noticed recently retire. They spend some time, you know, maybe on the golf course and traveling around. And then a year later, they're thinking, eh, I actually want to get busy doing something. Yeah. And that may look like going back to work part time. It may look like starting their own business in terms of consulting work. It could be uh, simply doing volunteer work in the community and sort of taking on that community That's service right. role. So, you know, there is the need for a lot of individuals to keep themselves busy, but sometimes people have hobbies too, and that's what their retirement looks like. But what's, what's fascinating is that the researchers noticed that there's actually a lack of a Japanese word for the concept of retiring. Oh, go away. That's interesting. So and the reason is, is because if you're doing something that you love, so if your work is something that you truly love, that you should do it as long as you can. As long as you want to. Make it a priority to stay active in it in, in all stages Whereas of in life. Western cultures, it's like, as soon as you can get away from doing any kind of work, that's great. <laughs> really? Well, it is. It's, I think it's, when you think of retiring, it's sort of that idea of, okay, now it's time to think about me. Yeah. What, like, what, what does Amy need? What, now it's my time to be selfish. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's no, what we think about with retirement, right? You're right, but uh, you do have to fill that time with something because you can't just sit on the couch and watch television the rest of your life. You really do have to find something to do. So I can understand that. I bet you there's a lot of people who retire and then they get to the point where they're like, whoa, whoa, I, I actually don't like this. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of people have hobbies and... They have nothing to do with their work. So there are people who do a job that they love. They're, they're fortunate enough to have the work they do be something they love. Then there are people who just do work because they need to make a living and, yep. you know, to basically support their, themselves, their family. And maybe the hobby that they love is not something they've ever been able to turn into an income. So in retirement, then that hobby becomes what keeps them busy, but they don't need to rely on a source of income at that point. That's right. It's uh, you just de-stressify what you love to do. So it's not the idea of retiring as in stopping doing things. Because when you think I'm retiring for the day, what does that mean? I mean, it means you're going to you're yeah, going you're to going bed. To sleep. You're going to sleep, yeah. right? I guess the thought is, you know, you stay active in Japan up until you know end of days. I guess you know you, keep, you stay busy contributing, doing what you love. Yeah. So I really like that. When I started reading this first tip around staying active I thought okay this is just talking about exercise which is of course important but you know in this concept it's really about just staying active in life and doing things so hmm. the second thing is to take it slow so it's the idea of leaving urgency behind and by doing that life and time take on a new meeting so not rushing daily tasks but just really trying to savor and enjoy them yeah like enjoy sweeping that floor make sure you get every little tiny morsel you know morsel so that's the assumption that it's food oh there's food on the floor and everybody's kitchen that's usually what's swept up from yes cook cooking and whatever but i know yeah. there's always that little edge underneath the cupboard 
Mm-hmm. Maybe some modern genius kitchen design doesn't have that little spot where all the food finds its way. There's a question I've always wanted to ask you because it, it, it relates to this. It relates to sweeping. You've never really enjoyed sweeping. You don't like sweeping. Oh, no, I, I, I hate it. But, but, but why? I, I don't I understand don't find where that it fear, thorough. I find not a, fear, but... It's it's the end point. It's the trying to get it into the dustpan, and there's always that little fine line that you can't quite get into the dustpan. And there's then you ways, have to keep there's ways around that. You have to keep moving it around and sweeping, and then there's always a little bit. I like a good vacuum. I understand there's a purpose for both, but what if I you enjoy swept vacuuming and then just vacuum that little bit at the end. Well, then you've got two things that are involved in the process, and that's just inefficient. Okay, all right, but it just gets the job done, and you're not you're not supposed to be hurrying. Oh well, you're supposed to be relaxed throughout all this. Well, see, I didn't know about ikigai when I was. That's why you should revisit sweeping. sweeping. And they often show, don't they? Often show monks and temples doing sweeping as sort of I think meditative exercise. Yeah, or just they're maybe just doing their chores. Well, like everybody or, else or that, but and doing it mindfully. Yeah, I also feel like sweeping kind of just move stuff around, puts dust in the air, depending on what you're sweeping, you know. You do know, though, that it cleans the floor. Well, it, I, yeah. <laughs> Just joking. I, but again, it does. If, it's, if it's light stuff, it floats up into the air. Like if yeah. you, you know, we don't have a pet at the moment, but if, if you have like little fine pet hairs and you start sweeping they can float up into the air whereas yeah. vacuum just sucks them out of existence okay now i know why you you dislike sweeping i never really knew that i remember you were just like i don't want to sweep so I, I sometimes i just don't want to sweep yeah well, that, that that makes sense <laughs> yeah that makes sense and you know what it's as much as i hate trying to find the best vacuum in the world even the a bad vacuum is better than the best broom yeah there you go even there's something for a t-shirt even what is it? Even the best. Even the world's worst vacuum is still better than the than any broom. best broom. Any yeah. broom. There. That's a good way to shorten it. I, I'm going to need a really big t-shirt. Well, you might want to do a meme on one of our social media things to promote the podcast saying that. It's like the whole, you know, even bad pizza is still good. Yeah, that's true. One Actually. thing I do enjoy sweeping is outside with a push broom, like doing the sidewalk. Oh, you do enjoy that. Well, when you have a push broom on like a rough concrete surface. Because all that dust is just going up into the atmosphere. Yeah. So no As long as you're, you know, upwind. Yeah, away from the Away from the dust. Yeah, away. As long as the wind is blowing in such a way so as not to get dust We don't know which way the wind's blowing here. (laughs) Until you're outside, you just don't know. As long as as the dirt isn't in your face, I'm all for sidewalk sweeping. Right. It's satisfying. Which oftentimes happens. And you know why it's satisfying? Because I don't need to use a dustpan at the end of the chore. I just sweep it. See, I like that little challenge of trying to get that tiny little line of fine dirt into the dustpan. Because you know what you do? You just turn it, right? But you never get it. It just keeps getting infinitely Uh, smaller. No, you do get it. You get it all. There's some analogy that would be equivalent to this where you just get, like if you kept dividing something in two and it gets smaller, but you never get to It depends on how how close that rubber lip on the dustpan is to the floor. That's the thing. We're getting into physics here now. But if it's if it's tight against that hardwood floor and you take your you take your broom and you it's try to never, sweep it, it it's never oh. going to be tight enough. There well, will always be it will exist. I don't know. There will be that. some thickness to it. 
and when uh, that thi- where that thickness exists, the only time is if you were sweeping up something that was granular, perhaps, and the and the grains were larger than the width of that little plastic yeah. lip, then you may get every single one. You like if you were sweeping up like marbles, well, that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. But like oh, yeah. non-rolly marbles, yeah, like <laughs> square rob square marbles, <laughs> squarbles. <laughs> Squarbles, the less fun game from Hasbro. Squarbles. Play some Squarbles today. They don't roll very well, but it's fun. No, but another really interesting thing that I learned when I was like really young in my early sweeping days is this whole podcast on sweeping, by no, the way? No, sweeping that's the floor? okay. It's... Okay. But uh, when you are, you know, gathering up all your dirt, you don't put it all in the middle of the floor and then try to sweep it up. Because if you do leave a film of dirt, like you say you always do, it's right in the middle of the floor. So you're admitting that you will leave a film of dirt. No, I don't. I'm just saying don't don't put the dirt pile in the middle of the floor. Because if you do, if you're an inexperienced sweeper like you... <laughs> You will leave a film of dirt because you can't get it. You don't have the mental capacity to figure out how to get it all swept up with a broom and a dustpan. Okay, it can but be some, done. Someone like you who's become a sweeping master after ten thousand hours of practice. I you, learned in Okinawa. <laughs> you will sweep in the very center of the floor because you have complete confidence that you will leave not a grain. No, of that's not what I'm saying. Filth. I still don't do it because it's just not a good practice to do. What if you're having a lazy day? You leave that little bit of dirt film in the middle See? of the floor rather than sweeping your whole dust pile over to the side or behind a door. Oh, and then... so now I know what's going on. Now I know. What do you mean? I need to look behind doors when you're sweeping because oh. this is why it doesn't bother you. You just do that final little little line of dust. You just sweep it away into a corner somewhere. No. That's why you're not frustrated. Wrong. I sweep it up. I sweep it all up. I get all the dirt, mm. even that fine little dirt you ignore. So that was all about taking it slow. <laughs> and, and no, it wasn't. Sweep. It was a diatribe on sweeping and non-sweeping. That's what we just covered in dirt piles. Okay. Number three is don't, don't fill your stomach. And I, I love this one because it has a, a popular Japanese phrase the reason I love these how to, phrases because I have to look up how to pronounce them and then and then Jeff listens to them so that when I mess them up he can help me. But this one is uh, around the uh, Japanese concept of harahachibu. 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 Oh, you got it. Which means like I'm some kind of professional at this stuff. Well, harahachibu. The concept of harahachibu is to fill your belly to eighty percent. Again, the idea is less is more when it comes to a long life. So eat a little less than your hunger demands. But I have so many questions with this. I know. I wish there was an alarm you could set so that you could figure out like, ding, 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 you're at 80% stop eating. I will, I, I know. I picture like if my abdomen was transparent and I could just have little lines that mark my stomach and it'll say, okay, now you are at the 80% mark. It's Peace. so easy to go above it. It must be an art form just to figure out when you're at 80%. I, I, this deserves an entire podcast episode around this whole concept because I find it fascinating. I, I know the idea of not like there eating are... till you're overfull. Like you don't want to be yeah. uncomfortable, but how do you know when you're only 80%? The, pro- the problem with that for me is like, you know, when you look at the world, so North America, like Canada and the US, 
It's portion control. If they give you a giant amount of food to eat, you're going to eat past 80%. But like we talked about before when we were in France, they only gave you enough to like, it, it wasn't like a huge portion like, like in the US and Canada. It was enough to eat. They didn't give you like a big mound of fries. They gave you like 15 it's as though they want you to feel as though you're getting your money's worth. So they give you a lot of something that's probably a low cost item, but then you, you don't want to create food waste. But how so much, that's what I was just going to say, how much of that is wasted? You know, we watch these television shows and we watch people eat and they just literally take like two or three bites and they waste. <laughs> All uh, of these reality television, they're too busy concentrating on being filmed to eat. Yeah. I just, uh, it's astonishing to me how much food they waste. I'm sure that the, crew for the show just finishes it all up as soon as they leave the room well, anthony, oh. anthony bourdain used to do that remember he would share food with the crew and they would show it they yes. would, he would turn he would invite the camera but he couldn't eat everything in. that was offered to him oh yeah i mean you know? they would come with like 20 courses wanting him to try all their different food i don't blame them but, but i think was, that i th- to me that is the quintessential thing about eating only 80 percent of the eating 80 percent full is is you don't don't have don't have that food in front of you that goes beyond your eighty percent. But I mean, I can eat till I'm not hungry. Mm-hmm. Is that eighty percent? Because it's like someone no. saying, "Here, here's a bucket full of water. You can't see how much water's in the bucket, but keep pouring until there's only twenty percent left." Yes, the way I, I understood, tell. I'm blind. I'm blinded to how much <laughs> water's in the bucket. So how do I? I only time I know is when there's no more water well, coming out. The way I understood it was like a hundred percent is full. Correct. So 80% would be just before you get full. Like, you know, just just before. But how do you know? Because then you... Because what you know when you walk away from a meal and you're like, oh, I'm so full. But they only want you 80% full, not when you're feeling full. It goes beyond when you're hungry. Like you're hungry, you eat, you eat. And then, you, you, you know, you just, you, you find, I think I can, I think I could find that like 80% threshold where you're like, <laughs> yeah, that's it. I don't need any more because I'm, otherwise I'll be really full. To me, that's really full. If you I get think, to 100%, that's really full. I feel like I need to take a pizza and then cut it up into slices and then eat enough slices so that I'm full and then t- count those slices and then reduce that by 20%. And then in future meals, I'd be like, that's the quantity of food Let's that do I it. need Let's order a pizza to fill right my now. stomach. That is 80% capacity for my stomach. That's, that's a perfect way to do it, honey. There. Let's get okay. pizza right I now. Find and that, that makes me feel better. It. Number four, surround yourself with good friends. I like this one. Uh, the idea, the researchers say, is that friends are the best medicine. Confiding, sharing stories, getting advice. Having fun. Gossiping. Everybody a gossips. Little, it's a little toxic, but yeah. But yeah. just having, you know, people you can confide in is yeah. is an important piece. For a lot of people, just getting into the groove long yeah. after the pandemic was was a thing. Yeah. You know, getting used to going out into groups and a lot of people develop social anxiety during that time and, and yeah. are still working to get rid of it. So number five is get in shape for your next birthday. Get in shape for your next so, birthday. So the idea with this is, of course, exercise and that, you know, your body needs to move and be active in life. You need some gentle daily maintenance. And in Okinawa, that it's not necessarily about performing rigorous exercise, but just being regularly active okay. and, you know, moving your muscles. 
going, going for, for walks. walks. Yeah. I always think of the Tai Chi in the park. Yeah. Uh, I you always see those images when they talk about, uh, you know, yeah. Okinawa or the blue zones. But the idea that they specified for your next birthday, I found very fascinating because it was just a different milestone than what we would traditionally use like New Year's. Yeah. Or a special event or vacation or summer, like those types of things. But they really focus it around birthday. So the idea, I think, is, a, the is annual. thinking about a, your your life. Yeah. And that idea of health span. That's that's really smart actually. That gives it a that gives a really nice flavor, you know, to like to want to do it. An well, impetus yeah. to do it. Well so if you're thinking, you know what, my goal is to get when I turn a year older, my yeah. goal is to get in better shape than I am now for when I turn a year older. It's so funny. I actually you... feel younger when yeah. I hit my birthday. Yeah, I, that makes sense. I, I like the idea. It's funny because uh, when I was in Korea teaching English as a second language, all the little parks around in the neighborhoods, you know, uh, they all have these, you know, uh, outside gyms, you know, where you could do chin-ups and stuff like that. And they're never, ever that I saw anyways, filled with younger people. It was always older people who wanted to like, you know, keep themselves limber and stuff. And they were really going to town. Well, I remember those even being, we were on a beach and it was like on the Mediterranean in Spain. And they had them, they had a whole setup directly on the beach for people to do that. And they're they're starting to pop up here in our area. Well, they have been for a few years. I don't know how well they're utilized, but hopefully that, you know, is something that a trend that'll continue. Yeah. Number six is to smile. So, you know, it's a privilege to be in the here and now, to be in a a position to be able to be positive. So no matter what life throws your way, a lot of times a smile can lift your mood and lift the mood of the people who are around you. That's exactly true. I'm smiling right now. Can you tell, listeners? (laughs) I often get people will comment on me smiling or just in, you know, or I've had people ask me, of course, what are you smiling about? And I'll talk about, yeah. you know, sometimes it's almost accusation. You're like, oh, like I, I love my husband. Something. I was oh. just thinking about him. <laughs> no, just but, but it is my default. They talk about, if, yeah. you know, with babies, how important it is to smile at babies. And they'll learn to smile back at an early age. And I think, you know, our son is very much a smiler, too. And going through life, moving through life that way, uh, it, I think it just spreads positivity. I think it does, too. And uh it's it's just how can it ever be a bad thing to smile? Have you ever heard of anybody saying I don't like that person? They smile too much. Yeah, well, maybe not to their face. Yeah, that's true. There's during the gossiping have... sessions that they have with their friends. Number seven, reconnect with nature. So, the idea here is that human beings are made to be a part of the natural world, so we should return to it as much as we can. You know, make time out of our schedule and get back into nature whatever that looks like a hike or just a, a yeah. stroll through your neighborhood if you that's something in- i've definitely gotten away from in these winter months and stuff but I, I mean there's no reason for it you can do it in the winter you know even as a family we could all go out someplace and enjoy and there the are no mosquitoes in the winter no mosquitoes and, and no, no ticks no sweat right you just cooled off so it's right. nice well you can sweat if you dress overdress for the temperatures well okay technicality observed (laughs) (laughs) all right um how many of these are there honey there are 10 okay there are 10 number eight is to give thanks give thanks give thanks for everything that that makes your day a little bit better and just appreciate being alive i mean gratitude journals have been something that people have talked about for years but 
I think just even taking a moment here and there to be thankful for a roof over your head, food on your table, absolutely um, good health. I mean, I have a practice of when I finish working out, taking just a moment to be thankful for my health, the health of my family and the health of my community. Including me? Yes. Thanks. You fall under the family category. Okay, cool. So, and then I, and then I expand to the community, which you also fall under. Yes. But really, I think. So you're giving thanks to me only? (laughs) Thank you. You know, again, uh, there are people who would love the ability to be able to get up and do a workout and, uh, you know, and people who may be uh, ill or even the next time you have the flu, sometimes you think about, I'm going to really appreciate the next time I don't feel like dog crap. And so we've all been there. It's just taking a moment and it takes a second. It's usually how I finish when I'm doing exercise. That's how I finish it off. One of the biggest times I ever felt that was when we both had Norwalk bars. Oh my gosh. Thank God we had two washrooms. I'll just (laughs) leave it at that. Anyway, that was so bad. (laughs) Yeah. Norwalk was bad. All right. Number nine is living in the moment. So, you know, a lot of times we're always looking ahead and that can create anxiety and looking in the past can create regret. So living in the moment is a great way to stay positive, you know, reduce stress level and just help with living a longer life. And also today is all we have. So, you know, make it worth remembering. It absolutely is. And the last one is about actually finding your ikigai. So, you know, what is that that passion inside you? And again, these are words from the authors directly, this section. Passion inside you, what's the unique talent that gives meaning to your days and drives you to share the best of yourself until the very end? <laughs> well, you're doing great there until the very end. <laughs> Till the very end. Yeah, well, I mean, that is, no, but you know what? That is true. It it doesn't have to be the bitter end. It's just the end. We all have an end. And here's a fun little word that I learned as we finish off. Snug. Do you know what a snug is? Snug? A snug is a bug in a rug? Yeah, that's exactly it. It's a snug. According to a Wall Street Journal article I read, it's a special room that's basically intended for comfort. So it's a British term. There's basically been a a move toward these open concept homes and, you know, open floor plans that are just sprawling and they can also be a little bit noisy. So a snug is creating a, like a small comfy den like space where like a record room where like, yeah, where television isn't necessarily the dominant piece of the decor and records are. Okay. Or maybe it's a place that you sort of just curl up and, you know, and, read a book or true it's, a, it's the idea of having a smaller space within your your abode within your home your flat but basically <laughs> it's called a snug and because it was called a snug i just needed to know more about this i did not know that either we have to do a whole podcast just on snug alone i love it i love the idea and to snug alone would probably be the best way to spend time in a snug really though like if it makes sense to have a, a designated spot to just completely relax yeah to cocoon. not just on your couch yeah all right well that's what i've got for living a longer life for ikigai i i found it interesting i hope you folks did too i did not know about this concept at all before this podcast and now my life has changed and we hope your life is thank you so much for listening to our podcast bye-bye bye-bye 
Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out past episodes and subscribe to keep up with what's new. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. And why not leave a review? You can also follow InfoQuench on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Till Til next time. time.